0: Welcome to the EFTM F1 podcast with Trevor Long, Harry Tucker and Connor McNally. Thanks to KO Sports, all the F1 action live, all season long. Great
1: to have your company. Wonderful to be back, Uh, full steam into a Formula One season. Harry, Connor, good morning. We kick it off. Uh, As usual, just minutes after the race with a recommendation to people driving to work or uh, getting up in the morning, tuning into the podcast. Harry, full race or KO Mini? Look, this is a
2: bit different than normal. Um, I'm going to say full race because it's just interesting to learn where the cars are at. But normally, if this was not the first race of a new regulation season, I would probably just say a Mini.
0: Connor, your thoughts? Yeah, if it was just usually any other time of the year, it would be... A KO many but as harry said because of the i guess the historical significance of the new regulations go the full race i'll
1: give the i'll give a little bit of extra insight for people um, look there were some boring parts to this race that's what we're saying um, but so if you're a mega Formula One fan, this is definitely a uh, watchful race because of what Harry and, and Connor have said. But, you know, for the uh, fleeting fan enjoying some Aussie content, uh, I would still say KO Mini because I think you'll get the, the most out of it. It was, boys, a really exciting start to the year because, um, you know, this is so new. We're, I, and I feel, yeah. like, I feel like Connor, we have been building up to this for more than a year. This is two years in waiting because these cars were meant to come out last year but were delayed because
0: of COVID. So there's a lot of expectation on this very race. Absolutely. And we've been calling out for a new set of rules that is going to bring the cars much more closer than what we have seen in the previous regulations. And we finally got them. It's not perfect right now. But it's got the essence of what we've been looking for. Closer racing, lots of passing, and unpredictability mm-hmm. in the results, which is what we saw at the end of the race. Just incredible. And I think this is the perfect start for these new regulations.
1: And I think, Harry, the great news is I've got a shocking memory, so I don't remember what we <laughs> predicted a few nights ago. Um, <laughs> but I'm going to say I predicted all of this. I don't um, do um, I, actually. <laughs> 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 it's probably good that, um, that it is it, – even – betting on this race was stupid because like, I think for the first time ever, I've had nothing result, um, which I, I, I told you I shouldn't bet. We and talked I did about anyway.
0: This. We I, know, we I did. know, I know,
1: I have no self control as you well know. Um, but Harry, the the thing is, um, and we'll talk through the race in a second, but I think just, just as a snapshot, the critical thing to say here is we kind of spot on. We, we, we don't know for sure yet where these regulations sit in terms of what they create, but we've had a glimpse and we know mm-hmm that there's a solid evolution to come because of the, the aero progress that will happen on, on many, many cars.
2: Yeah. And, you know, even at a minimum, they just looked so good as well. Yeah, like they yeah. on track. Oh they, yeah, I know we talked about this the other day, but in it just, even in race spec, it's another level of just how good these cars actually looked. And then, you know, towards the beginning of the race there, and we had a really good wheel to wheel battle with Max and, and Charles like that, it was really positive. Like Connor said, that is not something that in the last, you know, few years that we saw. So it's, you know, it's early, might not be perfect, but it definitely seems a step in in the right direction.
1: Just on the look of the cars, can I make one observation, which may be lame, but it's I think it's the Ferrari. It hits me every single time I see it front on. I think they've lost their wing. It's because they've got this black wing oh. on the red nose. I'm like, can oh, you yeah. put because a white stripe on the front? It. Yeah. They, remember, they, they've always
2: kind of had it being a bit weird like that, but it's exacerbated by the size of the wing this time when they don't have um, the the mission win now, or whatever they're going to replace it with. That's true. So that's, that's, true. Said, so that's yeah. not think, on there.
1: Yeah, yeah. There's probably some branding yeah, in the uh, in the. They've um, just got another Middle tobacco East and,
2: company they can't do somewhere.
1: <laughs> yes. Well, there's regulations. It's the same reason that um, McLaren's not running the the Vivo or whatever the heck the brand is of the, the, the vaping tubes they're running. But um the start, boys, I mean – off off the bat, this was exciting because you had Charles and Max on the front row, you had their teammates directly behind them, and you had Mercedes, uh, you know, down a little bit further in the pack, and you even had Valsry Bottas next to uh, Lewis Hamilton on the grid, despite changing <laughs> to a what was a back-running team. Um, I think kind of that, for me, you know, qualifying was awesome. Uh, we, we'll get to the disappointment of our own lives in a moment with McLaren, but You know, qualifying was awesome because it really was mixed up heavily, Connor.
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And I think everyone uh, expected that Red Bull and Ferrari were going to be at the top. I don't think anyone expected that Mercedes were going to struggle a little bit. And we we know that Lewis has said, oh, car's not that good. You know, don't think we're going to be at the front. It was kind of right in, in some ways, but I don't think we really expected how terrible some of the other teams were. Teams like McLaren, who we thought we would be at the front. Teams like Aston Martin as well. We certainly didn't expect Haas to make it into the top 10, let alone almost the top five. I mean, Kevin Magnussen did an outstanding job, despite the fact they were having issues with the power steering with some of the hydraulics. The, The fact that he got into Q3 for the first time in quite a few years for Haas and made it into seventh position, I mean, that's probably like outstanding achievement for Haas after what has been a shocking couple of seasons for them.
1: Absolutely. Um, the top 10 uh, finishes, um, Charles Leclerc, Carlos Sainz, Lewis Hamilton, George Russell in quite a great upset in terms of that that team. Kevin Magnussen brought home fifth place for Haas. Valtteri Bottas, a stunning sixth for Alfa Romeo. Esteban Ocon impressed, and we'll talk about how he impressed over and above Fernando Alonso in seventh, Yuki Snowder in eighth, Fernando Alonso in ninth and Zhao Guangyu, Grandyu Zhao. I just feel like it's really it's taking, it's going to take some time to get used to um, the formal uh, use of his name, which is how he wants it to yeah. be said, because that is the, the Chinese um, the name in 10th on debut scoring points. Boys, let, let's talk about the race from the get-go. Um, it was a solid opening, I don't know, a few laps. And and Harry, you made the point in our, in our group chat that this is the first time we didn't want to see drama on, on turn one. We wanted to see some racing. And, oh, I feel like we... We've got a reasonable outcome in that sense, Harry.
2: I think so, yeah, because it's kind of every other race. You, you know, I find myself just sitting there in that first corner just going, who can cause carnage here? Like, what's what sort of mm. drama can we shake things up with? But, yeah, it was just a matter of wanting to see where people were at. And I think one of you guys made the comment in the chat about how, you know, the DRS train, I guess, after we came out of those few, first few laps was was much closer than what we're used to and there was more possibility and there was definitely was several different overtakes in different parts of the track from right from the, the, the top of the grid right down to, to the back basically until you got to Daniel who was a very sad 18th for a while. But yeah,
1: good start. It was a good start, Connor. I think that um, we, we should address the elephant in the room and that is the McLaren performance um, both in qualifying and the race. Uh, it was... Uh- but pretty much dismal, um, awesome. not just disappointing, but dismal. Oh. And you know, you can put quality laps uh, aside and hope for a result in the race. But the only result they got in the race was the retirement of three cars, which elevated them to fourteenth and fifteenth in the standings. Essentially, they they were backrunners, and and it was evident from the very start. Although Connor, yep. they they ran the medium strategy from the get go. They were the only two cars to run the mediums. And it was this little glimmer of hope. It was like, oh, they're they're, they're coming third, last and last because they're on the meet. It didn't didn't matter, did
0: it, Connor? It didn't matter at all. No, it was just a, it was an embarrassing look for, for McLaren quite all around. And social media, just a lot of the McLaren fans were just in despair because they just couldn't believe what they were actually seeing that. You know, Lando and Daniel are just struggling so badly; they weren't nowhere near going to work their way up for the field. It was just through attrition that they were going to, you know, mm. make up a few places. But 14th and 15th, you're not going to get points right there. And McLaren have got a long season ahead of them. I know Harry said in the preview podcast that they might take a few races for them to sort of. This is not what I was expecting, way. though. No, definitely, I don't not. Think definitely not. I don't think definitely definitely not. Swear, oh, yeah. Maybe uh, they'll be
2: running the, the, like tenth and eleventh or something. Not uh, not eighteenth and nineteenth.
1: We'll break down but, the uh, teams in a, in a little bit, but um, you know, race wise up front, it was it was a decent battle between Charles and Max. It was, let's be clear with this, you know, both the train, um, the following, the things that we were essentially promised from Formula One around the the, the racing and these new cars were. That it would be easier to follow, and I do feel like from the very get go. I mean, maybe I went off early, boys, but I said the train seems tighter, and it, it did stretch out a bit. But I don't think it's it stretched tighter. out anywhere near it as much as it it used to, Harry.
2: No, but and let's also not pretend that you know when we say it's tighter and, and things like that, it's we're not talking about IndyCar here. Like you're not, no, they, people yeah. aren't, you know, no. proper wheel to wheel, uh, wheel to wheel, right down the grid, you know, the whole time. It's just the bar was just so low before that I think any improvement makes it look better. Um yeah. but yeah does as these cars towards the back as the McLarens you know hopefully get better throughout the year do they get closer even again and that that sort of bunchness becomes more you know more more noticeable in the changes. So again really early so we'll see.
1: The the start was uh was shocking for Valtteri Bottas Connor he he went back like 8 oh. or 9 places from the very very get go places. So it, it was a big Big problem for him. I, I, we didn't really see a replay. I don't recall. Um, but I assume he just bogged down and got a bad line. And and it's funny because as much as it sounds weird, he always got a bad line in the first couple of turns because I feel like he was always trying to avoid and protect um, the, the car in terms of where Hamilton was as a Mercedes driver. So I wonder if he needs a yeah. kind of slapping around to be more aggressive on that opening turn. <laughs>
2: I think in general, he- I think he's just not a confident overtaker. Like you saw mm-hmm. it when he was he's not, he's, up behind Albon. He's always been like, it's always been his weakness. And, you know, for him in the Mercedes, it was not that much of an issue because he was just going to comfortably be, you know, in the second position behind Lewis. But now, you know, mid-pack team, you need it. You need, he's going to need to overtake. Absolutely. So be curious to see how, how that develops.
0: Well, I think that, He's never really been a strong starter, in my opinion. And, mm. and I think it was quite clearly evident when he in his last year with Mercedes last year, he really struggled off the line. And sometimes he just wasn't able to be that backstop to Hamilton that we really wanted him to be at the best of times. And here he is now, hoping to shine in his own light at, in a mid-pack team, and he still can't do it. That concerns me quite a bit. The fact that he was Six on the grid, and he drops eight places back to 14th. He eventually finished where he started, but that was through attrition in the end. So, I think Valtteri needs to really work on how he can get his starts properly done because that's going to probably affect him for quite you know if the season continues on the way it does. Tell you, speaking of starts,
1: I didn't really get coverage because they talked. Uh, Martin was talking about Carlos um, signs lighting up his tires, and he did weirdly uh, you know four or five times leading up to the grid. But Jesus Lewis got a jump, like he got a fantastic mm. jump and was right on Carlos's tail as they as they approached that first turn but I think I actually think Lewis Hamilton was quite measured in his drive in those opening couple of corners because I feel like he realized that he just needed to hold his position if he could maintain where he was that would be a good result for the race Harry I, I, but he got a great start yeah.
2: Yeah, I think that was going into that. And you're completely right with his attitude there. And that whole team was, I think they're accepting of where they were. And then whatever they got above that, you know, that was over and above the success they were hoping for. And I think that attitude, you know, just happened to quietly let them take advantage of Red Bull's engines. All just, you know, deciding to go belly up on their, their debut to end up with the podium. But yeah, it's, it's going to be curious with them because, you know, we, we've seen this almost last year was kind of similar like they did not start well last year with the changes to uh to the low rake high rake advantages and things like that so hmm. yeah I'm, I'm not i, I don't I'm think not, anyone's writing uh, yeah, about yet, them yeah. um,
1: in any way shape or form because of their ability to to iterate and uh and build on that team um as the race went on there was an unbelievable maybe two or three laps after the it was the first or second stops where it was the first stops i think uh, where Max came out just behind Charles and Connor, we saw what I reckon would have been the most tight, close, aggressive two laps of racing Ooh, yeah. we've seen between a one and two car for a very long time. Because we've seen close turns and DRS overtakes and stuff, but I don't remember seeing a switch back and forth like oh, four times in two to laps. Checo Perez. Oh, okay, fair. I mean, enough.
0: Yeah, Abu Dhabi last year, we saw that between Checo and Hamilton. And that was re- and we thought that was really good. That was really good racing. But I think we've got to remind ourselves that I think Leclerc was actually trying to charge his battery because we saw how rapidly Verstappen reined in Leclerc at a rapid rate of knots. Did took you notice, Connor, when they the first bit. went to that cut, so they were
1: following uh, out of the pits, um, uh, Leclerc's in front, uh, Max is behind him. And they went to a graphic at the bottom of the screen, which was one of the new-look graphics, and it had their speed, and I think it was in both miles and kilometers an hour, it had a little DRS uh, light and everything. Mm. And as they came onto the straight, I swear to God, Max went like 324 and, and Charles was doing 297. It was a huge Jeez. speed differential.
0: Huge, Connor. Oh, yeah, like 30Ks. And like in DRS zone that's like a huge difference like if you if you're trying to recharge your battery you're gonna you're gonna lose that lead rather rapidly and max oh. just was yeah he was he was in in scintillating form at that point but charles i think the difference between um verstappen and leclerc when they came out of the pits leclerc was able to get up to speed with his new tires very quickly than what Verstappen did. In fact, Verstappen actually almost went off the track. He had no grip mm. in those opening few corners. That's probably, that's the telltale difference, I think. Le- Leclerc had a better handling car and probably a, a much more settled car as well than what Verstappen had all race long. I
1: didn't see any other car that had that speed advantage that, um, that Max had under Darius. Uh, I, mean, I mean, Darius was effective but n- not, not overpowering, I don't think, this race, Harry.
2: Well, I think even, not so much the DRS, but I think just the most surprising for me is just the engines there. Like, we saw, obviously, um, the cars that have done the worst are all Mercedes-powered engines, funnily enough. Um, Yeah. And and then, you know, Ferrari has been very strong. The Haas with the Ferrari has been very strong. You've got the Alfa Alfa Romeos who have also overexceeded. And then you've got, you're talking about Red Bull there with that speed, but then they've obviously severely compromised with reliability. With, yeah, three out of four of their cars- you know, not finishing the race, or I think did Sergio end up finishing?
0: No, no, he yeah. didn't. No, no, it was There's it the Sonoda? Three
2: out of three out of four did not make it to the end. So I did not expect that engines. I think bigger than the regulations in terms of uh, influence on it these cars. It was the one thing
1: that didn't change, right? Yeah, exactly. The one thing that didn't change. <laughs> exactly,
2: but that I think that seemed to be the biggest difference, more so than than the DRS down the straights there, because if you think. It's eighteen kilometers an hour. The DRS, and you're saying there was what almost thirty kilometers 30. difference between yeah. them. So then you're talking what fifteen kilometers extra speed from that engine down the straight. A lot.
1: And the other thing, and I guess there's so many minutia in the in the rule changes that you can't really you know follow and understand and memorize. But you know, obviously, we know they're they're bigger wheels and tires. But there was um, a mention from Martin of you know lower um, blanket temps on the rears. And that was phenomenal. Did you, just mm. watching Lewis come out of the pits on hard tires. Now they're hard for a start, so much more difficult to get up to temp. But he was almost He was almost, side, he was almost <laughs> drifting out of the first corner. It was it was almost scary.
2: He, he looked like you're going down. I don't know somewhere where people take their freaking old skylines and you've got the fish tails <laughs> like that. That was him coming out there. You just you don't see that happen in race like in Formula Sky. One.
1: No, uh, it was it was pretty amazing to see, and it turned out to be um, a tire race in many ways because it turned out to be a three stopper. And you know, the AWS predictor only ever gave two options of a two stopper. You know, one that had the uh, the mediums <laughs> yes. and one that had the hards. Um, uh, update their parameters. Yeah, the, they've got some work to do on the AWS some New training um, data. <laughs> yes, server end, and you know, so a three stopper, and that was in part um, initiated by Red Bull um, with Max coming in very quickly. But then it was reacted by all not just because of Max, but because Pierre Gasly's, um we don't know what failed, but something failed pretty bad in that car. It just lost power um the the steering wheel had no no electricity, so there was literally no physical power in in the in the thing, and it pulled up annoyingly one and a half meters short of the of the um the exit way. And that forced a safety car, which, you know, ruined my only remaining sports bet option um, of no safety car (laughs) paying (laughs) $3.28. Listen to your own
2: advice next time.
1: Oh, no, I should, but I never do. Um, (laughs) Obviously, some safe pit stops from everyone, Charles Leclerc. The only person that didn't get a safe pit stop away was Mick Schumacher, unfortunately. We'll talk about that in a minute. But um, he, you know, that, that leveled the playing field on a restart. You had... Max playing his normal silly buggers coming up the inside and nearly overtaking uh, when Charles was in control of the pack. Um, And it was actually a very bad strategic move, Connor, I thought, because he was jamming it up the inside of the last corner, which gave him a very poor run onto the main straight when clearly Charles was going to open up at some point. I actually think that was a really poor racecraft move from from Max Verstappen, Connor.
0: Yeah, and I think... He was just wearing tires out rather quickly as well. So we could hear him over the, the radio that the car was just wearing out tires quite badly. In fact, even in, in talking about team radios, Carlos Sainz talked about a three-stopper, which surprised a lot of Early people. Early on,
1: like he was the first, like you know, it's very mm. weird for a driver to be throwing that out on the radio. But that was the first time we'd heard the, the concept of a three-stopper stop, in this race.
0: Absolutely. And it actually did happen in the end. Happened yeah. at the right time when the safety car came out but by virtue of what happened to Pierre. So, you know, he was right in the end. He must have he must have had this foresight for some reason that th- this was going to happen. But I think it would have happened regardless if there was a safety car or not. Now
1: after the, like the safety car pit we've... stops. Sorry. It, it, sorry. Sorry, Harry, after the safety car pit stops, Max came out with a radio message no one understood. Um, but it was something about the tires. Um, something about steering. It, it turned out to be, after a couple more messages, um, the steering felt heavy in one direction. And so there was a bit of back and forth under the safety and they basically said, hey, Max, just deal with it, buddy. Okay, you're going to have to deal with it. We, we know what it is, just deal with it. And Harry, I wonder whether uh, in unpacking, I wonder whether we'll ever know, but I wonder whether unpacking it, that will be a similar or related issue to what then brought the car undone because he ended up losing... He, he felt he had a battery problem. the team said no and then he's mm. out harry it was it was a I'd huge be, final end of the race
2: yeah obviously no no engineer whatsoever but it would be it'd feel like it'd be unusual if you had two other cars retire with engine issues you end up having some kind of uh engine issue and then there's also you've got steering issue. you'd think co- coincidence if they're not not related there so I, mm. but there's there's definitely some reliability issues it definitely looks like that That Red Bull Powertrains have chosen uh, to be a bit more aggressive to try and extract more and get an advantage there, um, Mm. which has come at the expense of reliability. And I wonder, without a Honda engineer
1: over their shoulder, maybe they push it too far.
2: But is it also are they trying to maybe the car itself is not that great and they're trying to overcompensate with the engine?
1: Right, maybe because we don't really know where the performance of any of these teams genuinely sits. And we always know about this, you know, crank it up to quality pace or whatever, and Connor maybe just – that's a good point from Harry. Maybe they are cranking it to 11 so that they can
0: overcompensate for problems in error. Quite possibly. Quite possibly indeed. And, look, I'm surprised. Like We know that the, the former Honda Power unit is actually a very good unit, But maybe they're now pushing the boundaries a little too far and they're now paying the price as a result of that. So maybe they might have to scale that back in seven seven days' time when they go to the Jeddah Street Circuit for the Saudi Arabian Grand Prix. That might have to sort of tune it back a little bit so they can get that reliability. Or maybe they just might go all hell for leather because they want to win a Constructors' Championship just as much as they want to reclaim a Drivers' Championship for Max. That's what they really want. I mean they've worked out as
2: well, like from from last year and and Mercedes has helped back it up as well. But you know what, getting getting that engine penalty and getting that getting sent up the back of the grid, like if you have to do that throughout the season in expense for being, you know, markedly quicker throughout the year, like it's not a great penalty to pay. Um, so maybe that is yeah, could potentially be their strategy.
1: So Max is out. Um and it's It's like huge because you can hear in crofty's voice this is oh my God, crazy times you've now got um uh Carlos on the back of checo checo pushing hard in second, trying to you know maintain a podium for the team and it is weird to think about it at this point, but all I could think at that that point was this is this is critical if this is going to be a tight year, remembering back to last year, there's so many points that went missing and these are big points that went are missing for Red Bull. So you've now got Carlos on the back of Checo. And weirdly, we saw Checo turn around and we didn't quite know why, Harry, but it turned out he just went around on his own. It was the engine.
2: Yeah, so the engine cut out. So it essentially, it seemed like there's a bit of, you know, lift off oversteer. If you're driving a bit too fast in your road car and you're going sort of down a bend and particularly front wheel drive, you take your foot off, you'll spin out. And it's basically what happened with him, mm. with the engine just cutting out and he he lost it. Um, and that granted quite a few other happy people at the expense of Red Bull. Which, man, the crowd got so happy when he spun out. Like that <laughs> no, was,
0: no. <laughs> you know, I think it was a very Ferrari heavy crowd there, <laughs> yeah. don't you reckon? They're, they're also, very Ferrari. Ferrari, Ferrari anti-Red anti-Red red red red. It's
2: yeah. not just anti Red oh, Bull; it's more yeah. pro Ferrari.
1: Yeah, and and so that gave Lewis Hamilton a podium. I mean, you know, I, I do. We ha- we have our mixed opinions on Lewis over the over the years, but. He does play no, the game very the well. I mean. Yeah, no, so am I at this point. I think he's been very strong and and clear and he hasn't been aggressive about the Abu Dhabi stuff. I think he's genuinely found some mindfulness around that in using his own kind of terminology. I, I think he's really found peace with it and gone, Now I'm gonna move on, I'm gonna I'm gonna beat it away. Yeah. Um but there's no way he Thought they were going to get a podium. There's no way anyone at Mercedes thought they were going to get a podium. So for Lewis to come third and George to come fourth, and for the team for Red Bull to be DNFs is it's a mega result for Mercedes to open the season. Mm. Do you
0: think they're happy oh, been- about the
2: podium or happier about the Mercedes DNF? Uh, the Red Bull DNF.
0: I think they'd be happy with both, to be honest, because it gives them a huge psychological advantage going into the next event. Started so, one without the ta- other can you so you know <laughs> yeah.
1: so i mean it was a it was a, f- a phenomenal uh, you know final 10 laps essentially but even just the last few laps was was brilliant uh, a win to charles leclerc uh, second to carlos signs the f- last time ferrari won it was a 1 2 as well so kind of a nice um you know return to form for them and you know a great indicator of a potential um season ahead We'll analyze the drivers and teams in just a minute. We do it all thanks to the great people at KO. Formula One on KO, March to November, they've got you covered. Over 450 hours of live event coverage. We're talking, you know, they've got official films, have got classic rounds, they've got the news, plus, of course, every practice session, every qualifying, uh, and every race. Live, you've got Race View with four additional cameras every single race to choose from. If you've got an Apple TV, it's just such a great way to watch, split the screen out, and go from there. Um, You know, just huge numbers of hours, including shows like GP Confidential, uh, The Grid with Mobile One every every month. So there's a lot of shows, both from Sky Sports and across Formula One. So keep your eye out for KO if you haven't got KO. Sign up now. Um, There's a link at eftm.com. Boys, um, driver-wise, I mean, we talked about Valtteri. That's a good result. It's a great thing for him to boost his spirits. You know, like what a downer uh, coming off the back of last year. Joining a back of the grid team, but to qualify well and mm. race well, he would he would have some confidence, wouldn't he? I think that whole team, I think so. Though, like both drivers, like they,
2: I think they they both the teams exceeded expectation, and then individually they both have as well. I think, yeah, I I think Bottas particularly it was a bit of a what's what's his line again? You love saying it all the time, Connor. Uh, to who? To all at may
0: concern. What was that one? From last year? Oh, to, to all, my, to all my critics are going to make it soon. Fuck <laughs> you. Yeah. No, no, no. For me- the team,
1: though, I think you're absolutely spot on. For the team, it's massive because, you know, they, even with Kimi Reich in it, they struggled to get into Q2 oh, yeah. a lot, right? Mm. So they went from being a bottom five set of runners to being, you know, a top 15 set of runners. Let's just call them top 15, let alone top 10 because they've had a top two top 10 finishes here. But, you know, with the taking taking out the DNFs and things, you know, it's a good result for 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 Valtteri and um, Joe. What's his name? How do you say his name? Kuan How Yen. are we saying his
0: name? Guan Yun. Guan Yun Joe. Well, Joe Guan jo yeah. Yu.
1: Joe Guan Yu. Individually, and i got to be honest, I think he did bloody well, Joe. I yeah. think he ha- – because we bag Proof, him because we me feel wrong. like Oscar should have got the – should have got a drive in F1, right? But – We've got to put aside that bias and go. How did he go? And he raced well. He raced hard, side by side with a few drivers, and did some passing. So, I think Harry, we've got to give him um, a, a solid uh, uh, points for the for the first race. I give him a B plus.
0: Yeah, that's 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 worthy. I think so. Very yeah, worthy. B, B as well. B as well. But I, I've got to say, for Alfa Romeo, you know, I think they've done a a good thing. That obviously Kimmy was going to retire regardless, but the fact that they got rid of. Jovanaci and brought Votas in along with Wijjal. That's that's pr- to proven me so far in this early stage of the season a very very good move. It means that they can now rebuild and start becoming a proper midfield team, or well, maybe even a team that may, from time to time, knock on the cusp of a of a good result.
1: Yeah, spot on. Before we before we talk teams, let's talk a couple other drivers. Kevin Magnuson, like oh, wow. Yeah. You know, what a month ago he's sipping pina coladas and enjoying time with a new baby, and then he gets a call up to, um, you know, race in, uh, in a car that was uh, built and funded by a Russian oligarch who can no longer be part of the sport. (laughs) And I just think it's the best move ever. (laughs) And it's the best master stroke. I mean, so I saw saw something somewhere from uh, someone said Gunter, you know, master stroke get. Get a major sponsor, you know. Get let his son have a drive, take all his money, build a car, and then find a way <laughs> to get rid of both the sponsor and the driver, and start you know getting results because it's huge, right? Well,
0: what a the, result!
1: Kevin Magnuson is a masterstroke because we when when um, was being punted, we're like, okay, who takes the drivers of Fittipaldi? Do they bring someone in from the US? There's so many options, right? The, and I can't wait for drives to survive next year because clearly they'll have to cover this with Gunter. But what was the thinking? Cause you don't just bring you back for a couple of races. You bring you back on a two year contract. This is a masterstroke because not only have you got a driver who knows the grid, knows the sport, knows the racing, but you've got someone who can theoretically be a benchmark for Mick. And, and that's, yeah. he, he drove well today, Kevin, because we didn't see him. And that's how we know he drove well. He just drove and got a result. That's that's proven he – I mean, obviously, without DNFs, he would have been maybe seventh, but uh, fifth place, it's a huge thing, Harry. And,
2: oh, yes, it's huge for him, huge for the team. And the thing as well with, with K-Mag coming back was I, I don't think they ever wanted him to go. It was very clear no, that both drivers true. last year – not uh, even Mick Schumacher was, was for monetary reasons. It was very clear and they were very open about the fact that uh, him being German and him being from the Schumacher pedigree attracted extra money as well. Like he, he's not a pay driver, but he attracted more sponsors. So they need to get rid of the other two for that. And the opportunity to bring him back, uh, one of those guys back, they jumped on it and he came Mag, just he, he nailed it. Like it just yeah. did everything he needed to do, got what he needed out of the car. And they're freaking fifth. And Mick, Mick yeah. as well was lucky, like unlucky not to be in the points there in 11th. He Yeah, he, very, unlucky. He, oh, very unlucky. Yeah, very
1: unlucky. Look, that was strategic in the end because they, they thought they'd just try their luck without yeah. stopping him because he would have gone back. Look, had you have known that there was going to be, you know, essentially DNFs ahead of you of such extent – would have been different. I don't know, but hey, at least they gave it. They rolled the dice. It's not a bad thing to do in a, you know, on an edge of the point situation. Um, the other driver I think quickly that we haven't really mentioned, but I think is worth a shout out is George Russell because he he sat side by side. He he's not at any major gap to Lewis. He he played a solid second field today. In that you know he didn't he he couldn't challenge because the car isn't up to it. But he got the
0: right results uh, I think for the team in every session, Connor. I agree with that, and I think he's now shaken off a bit of that hoodoo uh, with, with Mercedes. You know, like we remember a couple of years ago, he he, he filled in for Lewis in the Sakhir race, almost won it, and all, and mm. obviously had all those issues that were very public at the time, and that you thought, oh, I'm cursed, I'm not going to get any points. But now he's in a proper team, and he's now getting the points. That can only boost his confidence moving forward to the rest of the season, and I really believe he will win races. They've just got to get the car right to give him that conf- that extra confidence that he needs to win races and potentially challenge Lewis. I mean, I, I have no doubt that Lewis will not want it to be that way, but, you know, I think this that will happen. George will try and challenge Lewis for some wins this year. But I don't know. We, we, we don't know what's going to happen. There's, what, 22 more races left to go in this season and there's so much to play out. I've got breaking news. Breaking
1: news! news no. Breaking news! Bre- I was about I was about to switch to talking teams, and I thought, "Oh, I'll check the odds." Well, you know, Ferrari have shortened. Boys, I put five dollars on both Red Bull drivers to to fail to finish at twenty-one dollars. <laughs> Boy,
0: Couple,
1: so what, all my losses have been covered. Yeah, twenty no twenty-one dollar. It was paying twenty-one. Of I, pa- I put Not five on. So, I, um, so a hundred. Um, yeah, both drivers failed to finish. Was paying uh, uh there look 20, been... 20 20 more bucks. um you're, so i'm feeling pretty good little uh, self pity um, party there can end now yeah no it's good <laughs> and, over, you, buddy. and you doubted me um <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, so i want to talk teams um because you know individually it's, it's such a tough thing to look at right now but gee is let's start with ferrari um and the reason i went to sports because you gotta you gotta imagine their odds have narrowed. I mean, World Championship odds would be very low for Ferrari now because mm. this was a solid weekend. Not in any way, shape, or form did they look too challenged. They they looked like a contender in pretty much every session. Like, mm-hmm. it, it, this was strong, Harry. I, I think this is a huge potential year for Ferrari fans.
2: Oh, yeah. Like, of all the teams, that they're, they're probably the only one that didn't seem to have, like, just – a real niggling area that, that looks like it needs to be addressed. You know, the the Mercedes, mm. uh, the Red Bull and Mercedes ones, very obvious. And, the, you know, realistically, they're probably going to be the only other competitors, you know, to win the championship. So they're the only real benchmarks to compare about. And then both of them got issues. And who knows how long until they can fix them and how much of a lead Ferrari can build before they get proper competition.
1: Yeah. And I think that that's the critical thing, right? Um, they've got to capitalize now. And um, we'll talk about this throughout the year, but this is not going to be how the races are won and lost in the in the in five races' time. Let alone, no, probably Australia will be the first decent shakeup of the of the the performance. Mercedes, we've spoken about in detail. Um, you know clearly. Kind of a third running team, um, obviously second in the in the race in terms of teams, but you know third in terms of known speed slash potential. And it feels like Connor that this porpoising issue. It feels like listening to George Russell. It feels like they know full well what the issue is, and they will be able to fix it. I think that's the difference between being a, you know backfield runner mm. that doesn't know what to do to being Mercedes. Yeah,
0: yeah, absolutely. And look, I think they will sort the porpoising issues out. And that, you know this is this is going to be one of the teething issues that I think every team's going to have across the board with these new regulations and these new cars. You mm. know they're still trying to work out how can we minimise all that porpoising so we can actually have a stable car aerodynamically that's going to suck to the ground and give us the advantage that we need on the track against our rivals. Now I've just uh, having a look on on the on the news. It looks like Red Bull have just come out and said. It may be a fuel pump issue that has plagued both cars. Sounds legit. Not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Good luck. That's good luck what they're saying. Them. What about gas? Yeah. Good luck to them. Oh, well, I think it it'd be the it could also be the same, but I mean the fact that it blew up and caught yeah, fire but, I, I don't think I don't think it's a practical. fuel pump issue, quite yeah, honestly. A fuel or.
1: pump doesn't turn the dashboard lights off on a on a um Alpha Tower, but um anyway, we'll we'll leave that for another day, I guess. Um the I wish they called porbassing just bouncing, it'd be so much easier. It's just a stupid, <laughs> stupid term. Um uh, we we've obviously talked about has to death, but let's just reflect quickly and we talked about this in the preview show, it's paid off you know, last year has paid off. And what you know what I think also, because you've got to remember, this is a team that doesn't have the resources of a Ferrari, Mercedes, Red Bull. Do you think it's possible that has, have taken the regulations, Harry, and gone, let's implement them and let's tweak them. It's like they haven't searched too hard for stupid, you know, ways like, you know, slot short side pods and stuff. Yeah. They've just implemented the regulations and created a fast car.
2: Oh, completely, and I, I don't also don't think it's a coincidence that you know with the budget changes that a bunch of Ferrari, you know, you know engineers and people from the, the design department ended up going to Haas because you know mm. they just simply couldn't afford to or weren't allowed to keep paying them at Ferrari. So you've you're bringing in that culture from Ferrari as well, which has proven to be successful for them this year and where they are. So if you bring in that those brains and that that culture into Hass, like it, it, you know, it really shouldn't come to a shock to us that they've been able to do this, like when you sort of think about these things Mm. in isolation. and then Well, as we said in the previous
1: show, it shouldn't be a shock because we know they've been able to do it before. They've done well before. So it was really just about focus and, as you said, people, power, resources, and it's paid off great dividends for them. We haven't talked about Alpine at all. Esteban Ocon actually, I think, well outperformed Fernando Alonso tonight. Multiple times he he was just either allowed to pass or, or flew past him. Um, I don't know whether Fernando is struggling with the the, the fit of, or the style of the car, but not a bad performance for them in, in seventh and ninth in, in totality, which obviously would have been ninth and eleventh without the retirements of Red Bull. But, Connor, you know, I don't
0: think we expected them to be in front of several other teams. No, absolutely not. They were very quiet. I, I didn't really notice them too much during the race at all. So, for them to get a decent result to finish in the top 10 and for Esteban to finish ahead of Fernando, mm. um, that's only going to give Esteban a little bit more confidence going into the remaining races of the season. Uh, but I don't know about Fernando. Like, Is he happy behind the wheel or is he uncomfortable with the car at the moment? There's so many questions You know, This left was the first time I point. thought
1: this is his last year. You know, like I thought, you know, he's not going <laughs> to... Guys, this is a like if he, if he has this performance, man, he's not going to be happy. He's not going to be happy seeing Esteban pass him. Let's be clear. First, first
2: race, first race. All right, okay, he I'll calm right. down. Also, okay. also, Esteban may have just listened to the preview show when you are. Uh, when you were telling everyone how slow he was. So you just got a bit of fire in the belly.
1: Oh, it's about time you paid attention. Yeah. Good work, Esteban. If you keep it up, I'll put my support behind you for the drive and we'll find a spot for you. Ask somewhere else, okay? <laughs> um now the thing like that we and subscribe, have to look
2: please, Esteban. <laughs> <laughs> and like and
1: subscribe. Smash that subscribe button. Um uh, the thing we have to talk about, and we will finish oh. the show talking about McLaren, but we have to talk about the, f- oh. the the bottom three teams, which are Aston Martin Williams and McLaren. Now if there was odds on those being the bottom three teams, yeah. I, I don't know. I've never set a market before, but it would have been in the fifties. Like it's <laughs> like who would have expected Harry that Aston Martin with all their, you know, glitz and glamor and funding would have been this far back. And also oh, from right. the same point of view, Williams who have been through Williams? their reshaping phase. just oh, yeah, bad.
2: Like that you know, I I think we're more disappointed in McLaren just more from a personal level and we want, you know, we hmm. want Daniel to succeed and things like that. But Williams is the biggest disappointment to me in the sense of it's felt like in a similar way to Hass that the last yes. couple of years have meant to be a build-up to the return of the Williams, you know, the Williams name. And I know they're not the same Williams, but, you know, that sort of pedigree yep. to them in these new regulations. And I think they are going to be the worst because in the same way we talk about yeah Mercedes are going to fix whatever issue they've got I'm sure that McLaren are probably going to you know similar you know, not similar but close to the same sort of size and budget type of thing we will figure something out for their problems as well may not put them to the top but they'll be well ahead of Williams
1: Where's they going to leave Williams so basically Williams Connor we've we got Williams yeah. at the back of the grid for the for the season unless they can pull an absolute rabbit out of a hat because they they don't and for people that are not familiar I mean you Mercedes can iterate faster than a than a Williams just because of the sheer scale and and skill. So how Williams iterate their car fast enough to find pace is difficult to believe, Connor.
0: I, i'm I'm staggered that they are so far back in the field. it's like they're back to where they were a couple of years ago. and I don't know if they're gonna actually score points. They might score points. In some instances during the year, but I just don't know how many times they're going to get close to that mark. It it just just beggars belief right now that they're they're so far back when we thought they were going to go forward, and they've got a beautiful looking car. That car, that paint scheme looks absolutely mint, but it just, it just doesn't it just doesn't mesh with the performance of the car. The same for Aston Martin, and that's a ma- and that's another massive disappointment with all the glitz and glamour as you said, Trevor. Aston Martin have just absolutely botched their attempt to work their way back up to the front of the field. They yeah. should be at the front of the field. They're nowhere near it.
1: Mate, Williams, you know what Williams should do, they should just paint the car blue, flat blue, until they have performance. You know, like focus your energy, people. It doesn't matter <laughs> how good your car looks. It's, it's proven to be useless. It just, it's the F1
2: equivalent of a, a ricer car like just a, a, a bog standard lancer with a big uh, cannon exhaust on it driving through the suburbs that's the williams on the grid
1: <laughs> all right well i mean we've avoided quite frankly the topic for the entire show but a very disappointing night to australia daniel ricardo at the back of the grid for most of it he actually ended up in front of lando i don't quite know how maybe on on the in all the stops and the the safety car um you know essentially nico Hülkenberg was at the was the final runner in the race, which is totally fine and understandable in that car and also for a bloke who had, you know, two days' notice. Nicholas Latifi is the most disappointing driver on the grid in second, last, and probably definitely won't be in the sport next year based on that. Um, but, yeah, Daniel Orlando in 14th and 15th, with, 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 which without retirements would have been 17th and 18th. Harry. Disaster. absolute, absolute
2: oh. Disaster. Look, if we look at the silver lining, it's the fact I think it takes a little bit of heat off Daniel. Um, because Lando's there. Well, as the Well, only,
1: yeah, the heat comes off because Lando is in the same position, right? Yeah, that's pretty so
2: it's, solid. It's he a, it's the car, yeah, mm. and it's. I think you've the obviously car, got the a, car's a piece of
0: shit, shit, basically. Well,
2: yeah. Well, a large part of it seems to be the engine, um, because we've seen anyone with a Mercedes engine struggle. But then I don't know what else they've screwed up. But there's there's clearly a is it lot because it's that's running going Android. On. Yeah, <laughs> it's just it's all the uh, it's the stickers, the Android stickers. If on, I knew uh, how to create memes,
1: I would definitely <laughs> post that somewhere. <laughs> um, but you're oh, right, um, Harry, man. you know, the, the pressure that's been on Daniel, um, up against Lando last year as a newbie was tough, and you could see that in the drive to survive episode, even though that's editorially, you know, uh, swamped. Um, but it must be demoralizing, and I think that's the challenge. I do feel like Daniel. Maybe not Lando, but Daniel definitely struggles with the um, finding motivation in, in these kind of moments. And, and, Connor, I'm not sure how they're going to recover quick enough because it's going to need – it needs a rework. There's
0: something wrong with the car. There's something massively wrong. And you know what? I hate to say this. I'm starting to think, is this Daniel's last year? Is he going to bounce back and feel confident again that he can actually be competitive? I don't know if he's going to be able to do that. And I just after I've been speaking to a few people, you know, Clinton Maynard from TGBs. one of those people I've been speaking to, he's very adamant that he will not survive beyond this year. He will not be in a McLaren in 2023. This, might this be
1: episode, we have ri- I've written off Fernando and you've li- written off Daniel. So Jesus, next year's going to be a very different grid.
0: Oh, I'm, 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 I am you guys you want to take Fernando
1: here. Just calm down, Connor. It's the first, yeah, right? But- <laughs> <laughs>
0: Hey, I'm uh, not the only one that said it. I'll, I'm not I'll, the only one that said it.
1: Yeah, Harry. Uh, I, I mean, I, I think that I I'm, think the the challenge here is how do you as a driver and a driver pairing, how do you keep the team motivated to push? Yeah. I, um. I, how do you find what the problem is? Because you also mentioned, you know, this is Mercedes power plants at the back of the grid. Yeah.
2: Like the other thing as well is I think that you know regular punters like us often forget is that these guys, as much as, you know, their media portrayed personalities, they're built different. They're mentally tougher than you and I. They've had to have, you know, this is their, they've worked their whole life to get here. Like it's that mental resilience, you're going to have ups and downs and it's going to be harder to get back up some days than others. But, you know, this is for him. This is 30 years in the making. Like his dream is to win a world championship. He's not a couple of bad races across his whole career. It's not going to, If if he can't get back up from that, then he he probably should never be in the sport to begin with. So I, I, I see where everyone's coming from, but I also would be extremely skeptical that this is something that he just simply cannot bounce back from. And if anything, the the real the real question here is
1: the real true the real question here, Harry, is on a scale of you know Ferrari and Mercedes back to you know your, um, Haas and Alfa Romeo in terms of say development potential. Yeah. Where do we feel the potential is for McLaren? And also, let's be clear, I don't think I've heard Zach Brown say they're going to win championships this year. They've always said this this is the start of a new journey in terms mm. of this car. So I feel like, you know, even they'd all be disappointed. There's no doubt. But I do feel like they will look at this as being right. We've got to spend the first six months of this year getting competitive and the second six months of this year getting uh, results. And then 2023 becomes, you know, you escalate on that. Because, there's not going to be the radical shift again at the start of next year, so that that's one possible potential yeah. positive. I think,
2: yeah, I, I I don't know where where it comes from. I think, like we said, bits obviously the engine, but that's not quite up to them. And you know, maybe maybe you know they've had a lot less testing than than some other teams. I'm sure that plays mm. a part in it as well. Like there's there's probably a bunch yeah. of little things that'll come together that they just sort
0: of need to get right. But well, let's at hope at the moment, let's not, let's he a lot
1: through this 57 lap test tonight.
0: Oh yeah, definitely. And let's not forget Daniel did have COVID the week before. And we, we honestly thought that he may have not have driven in the Grand Prix. Mm. It may have been Oscar that did the opening race. Do you evening. know what? I'm bloody glad happen. that didn't happen because if yeah, Oscar had a run last,
1: it wouldn't have looked good for him. No. So it's actually worked out very well for Oscar <laughs> that, that Daniel recovered from COVID. Um, look, it's, uh, it's, it's, it's been a fascinating race weekend generally. Uh Connor, obviously Ferrari at the t- I mean we know what the leaderboard is, but it's a solid staff for Ferrari and Mercedes.
0: Who takes who's third in the constructors' championship? All right. We'll Ooh, do constructors and then we'll quickly look at drivers because basically I'll tell you, may, may as well, well. the drivers um, are the right. But Charles but Charles has <laughs> yeah, skip that. But Charles has actually got a full full set of points, including fastest lap. So he's got twenty six points. He's nice and clear in the at the front. But in the constructors' championship, Ferrari have got forty four points, Mercedes have got twenty seven, Haas are in third on ten points. Alfa Romeo fourth on nine points, Alpina fifth on eight points, and rounding out the fielder, Alfa Tauri on four points. Yeah, right. Four on zero are Aston Martin, Williams, McLaren and Red Bull. I mean, that's Did the one thing expect- McLaren have got going for them. They're the same in the championship
1: as Red Bull at this point.
0: <laughs> but they're in front of them.
1: <laughs> um, they're, uh, you know, We've got another race weekend next weekend at Saudi Arabia. Before a couple yep. of weeks, is there one or two week gap between um, Saudi Arabia and Australia? It must be two weeks. Um, two and Australia week gap. And on I April can... the eighth. Um, yep. And I do and think that the... the Australian race will actually potentially be uh, just as exciting as tonight because that is normally you know where you, with that amount of time you get a bit of an update come through. So hopefully there'll be a couple of teams that that um, have some updates for Australia and and we and get some changes. decent. Yeah, two. Yes. the track changes should should be nice. Um, for following and for all that kind of stuff. I, I know it's going to be fascinating. Um, start to the season for sure. Um, I can't wait. I'm, I'm pretty pumped, boys. Um, we've got another uh, long week ahead before another, I'm assuming stupidly early night, Connor, is it? I haven't oh, looked four at the time. O'clock, but four, o'clock ne- oh, oh. four o'clock this time next week. Oh, four, great.
2: Yep. I don't, I don't, four o'clock is almost better than two o'clock.
1: No, no, I'll take that. Yeah, definitely. Four o'clock is yeah. definitely better than two o'clock, yep. All right, boys, Uh, thanks to KO and thank you, Connor and Harry. We'll be back next week for the uh, next race of the Formula 1 season in 2022. Boys, I don't know if you're going to get some sleep or go straight to work, but good
0: luck. (laughs) Oh, we'll try. (laughs) Bye.